Welcome back to the Hitterfest podcast. I'm your host, Tejas, and here we have with us Eleanor Moshe. Eleanor Moshe is a founder of The Construction Coach, her passion to guide, inspire, and direct future leaders and the industry professionals to construct their career led to her founding the successful platform. She's also the number one best-selling author of the book, Constructing Your Career, and is the host of the successful one-of-a-kind podcast, Constructing You. She has been featured in the Australian National Construction Review, Property Council of Australia's Top 500 Women in Property Program 2019, and she has been featured in the Top 100 Women in Construction. So welcome, Elena. Thank you very much for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be here. So how has the pandemic affected you? How has things been going? Oh, it's an absolute tyranny and <laughs> it's an absolute farce. I have you know, nothing positive to say about it. And what's even yeah. worse is that there's a shadow pandemic happening, you know, the real impacts. And yeah. that hasn't been given any coverage or any sense of recognition in the proper sense of the word. So it is quite a, you know, a, a stressful state of affairs. Of course, what we need to focus on is influencing what we can yeah. and controlling what we can actually control. And always going back to our vision, going back to our gratitude, going back to our spiritual house and going back and being, you know, as positive as we can. And I'm not saying to be positive in a superficial way, but it is about focusing on what we can right now. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. We just focus on what we can control and make the best out of it. So coming to construction, so first thing is that in India, especially construction isn't like a highly recognized uh, by people. And even like in schools, I don't uh, think it's been uh, giving the importance that other careers paths have been given where uh, you see people going for engineering and medicine just right off the bat. They just get up one day and they're like, okay, I'm going to choose science. I'm going to go for engineering. I'm going to do that. So how did you get into this profession? Because firstly, it's very unique for us as uh, we uh, are hosts. We are also like engineers. So even for us thinking of this is very fascinating. So how did you get into the construction business? You're right. It's not actually a industry or a niche, no matter how big it is, that is widely recognized or one that people look into and say, yes, I want to become this. Because even as you go through the conventional schooling system, no one tells you construction management or anything of that nature. They just tell you architect, doctor. And this is a big flaw generally, is people giving out career advice based on titles, not function. So throughout my schooling years, I was quite good at art and graphic design and, you know, you can't make a living out of that, all of that rubbish. And I am creative, but not in that typical sense. So I went and did architecture as an undergraduate and I found that what I was actually more of was really frustrated, frustrated with the process because the people who did really well were those who had designs and creations that had nothing to do with reality and that's where I started feeling a disjunct with my more process structured personality but I have that level of creativity so architecture wasn't suitable so I took a gap year after I finished my bachelor I said I wasn't going to quit I'm going to see it through until the end and I took a gap year and I said look I'm going to you know I looked at the master's list and I said well I don't want to do property because I don't know what that is 
I don't want to do urban design because I did subjects and it was boring. And I'm saying this because this is what I thought at the time. Yeah. Of course, if I were to apply myself now to 21-year-old Eleanor, the outcome would be different. But I looked at what master's degrees were available and I saw construction management and a few of the words really spoke to me. It was more process orientated. It focused more on the how to. So I enrolled in my master's and I remember sitting in in the class in the start of 2013. Yes, March 2013. And I remember one of the first subjects and it was everything at once and nothing at all. It was a very fascinating multi-layered industry full of complexity. And I was really yeah. drawn into the industry because of what it had to offer and the impact that it could make on society. And yeah. it all started from there. Yeah. And um, you have also like just mentioned that a vision is necessary for when you want to like uh, pursue your goals. So when you were back uh, in college and you were figuring out uh, back then, did you have a vision that one, like what was your vision then and how has it evolved over the years? Great question. And one of my favorite things that I love answering. So, so thank you for asking for the first, maybe five or six years in my career. I did not have a vision. I did not have a vision. And the only thing that I held in my mind was I want to be successful and I want to climb the corporate ladder. Yeah. Could I tell you why? Absolutely not. Because I thought back then that the only way to have a career was to climb the corporate ladder. And even when you saw business people or you saw people who owned the company or, you know, that did something else, it was like, oh, no, that's for them and this is for me. So I didn't have a vision. And I remember in 2015, and my then mentor asked me the question, what do I really, really want? And I'm someone who is considered very career orientated, very driven. I couldn't answer the question. The only thing that I could say was, I want to work on site. What, for the next 50 years? Like, what did, what did that even mean? And I remember that moment because it shook me because how could I be the person who is so driven and career orientated <laughs> But I couldn't answer a seemingly simple question. Now, if someone were to ask me, my question is, how much time do you have? So what happened? I had to make a few career decisions come 2017 to 18. And it was the same time that I was graduating. And I started thinking about, okay, what can I actually be doing? Because I need more. I'm a maximalist. I always need to do more. So I started actually journaling and asking myself, what do I want? And I sat with that question for long enough and through the practice of journaling, I started seeing glimpses of my vision. But my vision that was being downloaded into me had nothing to do with where I was. And I started freaking out because I'm like, hang on, this is different from everything that I have been doing. So I started having small paradigm shifts and I didn't know that's what was happening at the time. So what happened? I took that vision or I couldn't even articulate it. It was just an inkling. It was an itch. I, I had no words around it. But I took it to my then mentor and he discounted that vision completely. He said, no, that's not for you. You're thinking too big. You should do, you know, do it step by step by step by step, wait 20 years, so on and so forth. But that nagging feeling that knowing that there was something greater than where I was, was still within me. And then the first fragment of a vision was that I would sit in the Plaza Hotel in New York writing a book. And I'm like, where did that idea come from? I am in Melbourne. I work in construction. Where did that actually come from? So 
then I started thinking, hang on, who is the person who has that? Who is she? She's obviously not a corporate employee because corporate employees don't get to do that. Yeah. And I started unraveling. It's sort of like, you know, maybe if you have a, a woolen jumper and you have a piece of string and you pull the string and then it all starts to, to yeah. come out. So it took me around nine months, if not more, to conceive my vision. And because I conceived that vision, it allowed me to start making different decisions for my life. And that's what led me to even the opportunity to get to talk to you today. Yeah, no, I'm glad that happened. So one another question is that even in your past interviews, when we had done the research, you've talked very openly about journaling and how it has really impacted you over the years. So one question which came to my mind was that, do you go back and read what you have written uh, like in, on a regular basis to understand where you were and how you have grown or what idea you got at that time of life? And has that happened? Or does it does it regularly happen? That's a fascinating question, and I can see how you know your inquisitive mind is for asking that. I've only ever gone back twice. Once I go, I went back when last year I released my book on the fourteenth yeah. of August, and I was journaling that evening. And then as I was journaling, I said, I remember that a few months ago I journaled that I want my book to become a bestseller. So I went back and I found the post. In, on the 26th of the 6th, 2020, I journaled that on the 7th of August, my book will become a bestseller. And that's exactly mm. what happened. So that was one time that I went back and looked. Wow. The second time that I went back to look was I finished a journal and I went to stack it with all the others and I pulled out a random one and I saw an entry from 2017 and I yeah. started delving into it and I started crying because it was like going back into a time machine. Yeah. And I was reading the things that Eleanor back then was so concerned with. Yeah. What freaked her out? The things that weighed on her mind, the things that she wanted, the things that she dreamt of. And I'm like, there was a person that wrote this. Like it was a very transcendent sort of yeah. experience. And I was very moved. But I don't make it a regular practice because I don't love reading my own work in a way i do it when i do content and podcasting like i do edit my work but yeah. i don't do it so often and one thing that i've always been meaning to do is actually to go back over my travel journals and i was 21 yeah. so yeah it's a very unique experience to literally travel back to a very particular moment in time because yeah. in your journal you're being so intimate and open with yourself it's like a time capsule so I might just end up doing that tonight after my conversation with you. Yeah, but like just the fact that you go back in time and see how you have how you were at that point of life and how you have grown is just I don't know it's fascinating for me. And uh, we even in our earlier episodes when we were talking about like how to deal with anxiety, we mentioned journaling and we actually tried started implementing journaling. So that we wanted to touch upon that. And uh, another question is that, um, so you are a number one podcast host. Uh, you have a best-selling book. Um, you have the Australia's first, you're the founder of Australia's first construction construction coach. So what do you, what is your measure of success? So what is your definition of success? Because uh, as for, as for, anyone otherwise one one of these three things itself is a big deal so what is your definition of success because it, it can be interpreted in different ways by anyone and everyone so what is your definition of success there's a universal definition of success and that is 
to be able to create the life and lifestyle that you desire and to be able to do what you want, when you want, with whom you want, how you want. Yeah. If someone can actually do that for themselves, they are by universal standards successful. Yeah. But of course, everyone then has their own journey. Everyone has their own filter that's associated with that. Yeah. And for me, it's constantly living out my vision. It's making sure that I'm always living in value alignment, that I'm maximizing yeah. opportunities that come to me, that I am constantly the constructor of yeah. my own life, of my own career, mm -hmm. that I'm creating the biggest impact and influence and having the biggest influence that I can have on this world and that I can get to the end of the line and say, I did everything that I could. Yeah. Yeah. There was this quote uh, I read in a book that said that on your deathbed, there are like ghosts of your past of what you could have been. <laughs> so you don't want to, you don't want that to happen. So yeah, that's very accurate. And another thing is that uh, you had talked about uh, in a previous interview, I, I don't want to dig your past, <laughs> but uh, this is really relevant to the question. So uh, you said that when you just got into the industry and uh, you had a mentality of getting right, like trying to fit in and uh, but then you realize that okay no that's not the way to go so how do we stay unique because this uh, this podcast is basically for students so we are students ourselves we are uh, studying engineering and it's for other students in india and wherever they around the world so for students what will be your tip to stay unique and to not follow the herd and to stand out that's a fantastic question in order to stay unique First of all, people have to recognize that they are unique. But then they also need to go further and think, what is it that actually makes me unique? One of the most important things that you need to have in your life is mastery over yourself. If you don't have mastery over yourself and you don't actually know yourself, then how can someone actually stay true to yeah. themselves? It's not possible. So up until a moment, you know, point in time before I went on my journey of discovering myself, I didn't know who I was. So it was very easy to become a chameleon, to become an amalgamation of everything outside of yourself. True. Right. Living from the outside in, not from the inside out, because I didn't know what was going on in here. Yeah. So that that's a major downfall because the conventional education system doesn't have this type of education built into it. Whether it should or shouldn't is a different conversation, but it doesn't happen. Yeah. So unless someone actually goes and seeks it for themselves or has enough discipline to self-educate themselves in this manner, then where is it actually going to come from? Yeah. Right? So the more that I got to know myself, what that did was create confidence and a lot of clarity. This is who I am. Yeah. Being anything else other than who I am who am I then? Like, it's, it's a bit of a circular argument, but because I was being not all of who I am, I was diminishing my soul. I was living out of alignment. I was offending the universe that I was turning away from my person of my God given gifts and existence because I didn't know who I was. Yeah. But once you do know who you are and you also recognize and embody it, it just becomes your natural disposition. And that's how you actually become much more powerful. Yeah. You don't stand out by being like everyone else. And this is where people ask, you know, sometimes really bad questions in the workplace and saying, oh, you know, my team doesn't uh, recognize me. How can I fit in? If you want them to recognize you, 
That's exactly what you shouldn't be doing is trying to fit in. What are you fitting in? And that's what people also need to ask. What are you fitting in with? With the herd? With the masses? Where are they going? What brilliant things are they doing? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing and nowhere. So standing out, first and foremost, is about mastery of self and understanding that you already are unique, right? Yes, I may have characteristics that are similar to you and you have characteristics that are similar to me, but the overall unique blend, no one has that. No one has all of this inside and outside, only you. So to stand out really is about embodying your message, embodying your person, and always representing that. And where people also falter is that, Eleanor, you're too much. So what happens? People shrink. Instead of going the other way, they go this way. And it's about being all of who you are, despite what society says, despite the boxes, the labels, the feedback that everyone tries and and gives you. That's where the superpower is. Yeah. And uh, do you believe that the journaling has helped you find yourself in the in the journey? A hundred percent. I, you know, sometimes when, you know, my energy dips and then I don't journal. And because I don't journal, my energy continues to dip and I have to break out of that cycle. I always feel better and have better results in my life when I continuously journal, even if it's just, I'm not manifesting, but I'm just giving gratitude. Even that as a minimum always keeps me on track and at a constant energy level. Obviously when I manifest, then my energy goes high so I can become the energetic match to my dreams. But absolutely, journaling has allowed me to really sit with my thoughts, reflect on my experiences, understand what's actually happening in here so that I can project it outwards. It's allowed me to control my thoughts. It's allowed me to also call in achievements, things that I want for myself, things that I desire. It's allowed me to work through the trials and tribulations that come with being all of who you are. So I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for for journaling. Yeah, well, that's a powerful statement. And yeah, for our listeners, everyone, you guys, uh, we have stressed upon it before. So you guys should consider really starting to journal. (laughs) And uh, before you stepped into the construction business, uh, are there any things that you wish you knew beforehand, which then you would have like made a change in your decisions or whatever up on, on up to you that's a great question and look i know i can imagine you've asked this before and the default answer is i wouldn't change anything because then i wouldn't be where i am today and i respect that as part of my journey because the universe puts you exactly where you need to be there's there's no doubt about that but one of the first things that i would do is conceive my vision what it is that i want and to not feel that i yeah. have to fit myself into these predetermined boxes that I didn't build in order to be fulfilled. So number one, smash the box. Number two, or number one, conceive the vision. Number two, outside of the, live outside of the box and yeah. outside of convention. For a very long time, I wasn't hung up on what other people think, but then you enter into the corporate world and you start to, you know, revere people. Well, these people know what they're on about. They have no idea. <laughs> And when I came to that realization, I get stopped thinking about what people think because they don't think. If they do think, they're not thinking about what I'm doing. They're focused on their own goals and their own vision. They're not caring what other people think. But at the same time, what I did the most in my 20s was shrink myself. 
because I'm naturally, even in my 20s, like early 20s, I was the career dominant one and I was the one who would, you know, Ellen will go talk to that person. I was always that person. And you would start getting this feedback, oh, she's intimidating or she's too much or she's too bold. So then what I would do, I would shrink myself. I would diminish my power. I would not want to be seen or heard because it would offend other people. And that's how gradually over time, literally anywhere between six to eight years, I lost my sense of self completely because I reduced myself to make other people feel adequate. But in the meantime, I was making myself feel inadequate. How does that work? Yeah. So, yeah, putting others before yourself is like very, it's not doing justice to yourself. Um, Another thing is that you have mentioned that your mentor, uh, uh, that your mentor had... Yeah, get sorry, a mentor. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but don't apologize. Of course, I'm going to forget, you know, get a mentor. And I am lucky that I had a mentor at the start of my career. And that was extremely beneficial. So make sure that you align yourself with a mentor who has the results that you want and can also get you there. That is imperative from the get go. I'm glad you mentioned mentor. <laughs> that, uh, so the question uh, which we had is that uh, you have stressed upon getting a mentor and uh, the relationship between a mentor and a mentee is like, very special and that will really shape your future. So one question is that as students, uh, how do you choose your mentor? And how? what are the factors that you keep in mind before choosing a mentor? Because many a times, uh, like, Many a times, even when you have dreams that even your uh, close ones don't agree with your dreams. And even so, how do you expect a per- another person who you vaguely know to expect and guide you? To- well, Great that was a very long question. I'm sorry. No, that's, no, don't apologize. That's brilliant. There's three people that you shouldn't listen to when you are wanting to pursue your own dreams. Number one is friends. Number two is family. Number three is fools. Three Fs to avoid for advice. Okay. There are very unique circumstances in which your friends are brilliant and your parents are brilliant, but, and fools, they're never brilliant. So we don't go to those people for advice. If you go to those people for advice, what you usually find is that they will add water to your dreams. They will water it down. They will not bring the fuel to your dreams. When you're looking at a mentor, they need to have at a minimum these things. Number one is to have the results that you want. If someone doesn't have the results that you want, why do you need their advice? Yeah. It really doesn't matter. Say you want to be a entrepreneur, but you're getting advice from a professional who hasn't done anything in the last 20 years. Why does that matter? It doesn't yeah. matter. So there's a disjunct. Number two, that person needs to be going where you are going. Because what that means is that they're always going to be two or three or five, ten steps ahead of you. Yeah. And another qualification is, is that some people, even if they have that, not everyone is able to tell you and show you how you can get there yourself. There are some very successful you know, business people and they've had massive success, but they can't tell you how they got it. They can't tell you the pillars, the principles, what they did. They just did it. So if someone can't also explain it to you, then you won't be able to get there either. So there are three important factors. Now, where people go wrong with mentoring is they just look for mentoring that is free and convenient. Meaning, for example, they might just go to a university lecture, ask for a few tips, and and that's it. That's not mentoring. That's just an exchange of advice. Mentoring is an investment. 
Now, you can, of course, get free mentoring. There is a lot of free mentoring on social media. You can build relationships yourself. That kind of mentoring is available. But if you're only expecting mentoring to be free, then that's where an individual has a sense of entitlement and they're never going to find a mentor because they never want to invest anything. No energy, meaning time and resources in yeah. order to get that. Yeah. Now, and of course, you know, people say, oh, I'm a student. I don't have the means. Well, I have clients who are students and because they want something, they're hungry, they go for it, they get it and they achieve it. Yeah. So an easy distinction is there small M mentoring, which is casual relationship. You know, listening to a podcast, that is yeah. a form of mentoring. Social media, conversations with people, events, so on and so forth, that's small M mentoring. Capital M mentoring is when you're actually investing in a structured pathway with someone who has the exact results that you want. And by going on this pathway, you are enabled to achieve the same for yourself. Yeah, no, that's correct. That You are a mentor yourself and you have uh, students and everyone uh, under you. So the question is, what is the top three teachings that you make sure that every each and every mentee of yours em embodies in their professional or personal life? There's no antidote to sweat equity, meaning you have to do the hard work at first. You can't work smart until you actually work hard. Yeah, okay. And working hard doesn't mean physical laboring. It means working hard on the thing that you need to at this point in time. A lot of people are working hard, but on what? They're just, you know, for example, someone will say, you know, I've done a LinkedIn learning course, LinkedIn learning thing. Was that A, what we discussed? B, is that going to get you the results that you want? No, but I spend an hour on it. Why do you spend an hour on it? So it's about working hard in the direction of where you want to go. So there's no antidote to just to hard work and diligence. Yeah. Number two is consistency. People are more patient with activity, but they're very impatient with results. Meaning, you know, I've had people that have said, Alan, I've gone to one or two networking events and nothing has come of it. How many years did you go to school and you still don't have the results that you want? Did you give up on that? No. So consistency. And this is where people falter because compounding doesn't happen straight away. It takes time for it to kick in. Yeah. You know, I went to, in 2017, I'll just use networking as, as an example. In 2017, yeah. I went to 27 networking events. Wow. And at the time, I didn't get anything from it, meaning no job offers or opportunities. Like I didn't have my business. I didn't have anything. But in retrospect, I got so much. I got the consistency. I got. I developed the ability of planting the seeds and making deposits without getting anything in return. Yeah. People falter on consistency. They're so quick to judge. Oh, it doesn't work. How do you know? How come it's worked for everyone else but not you? Yeah. And people think that if they just do things sporadically, then they're going to get the results. But nothing good happens from sporadic activity. True. And the third part is, so the first one was diligence. The second one is consistency. And the third secret factor is ambition. I can't teach someone ambition. I can't teach someone to be hungry. Yeah. You can't teach that. Yeah. And there are only two types of people in the world, those who want more and those who don't. True. Only the people who want more out of their career and out of their life get mentoring. Other people are just happy to be satisfactory in their life. This false sense of busy, 
they're quite average, they're content with their mediocrity. Other people want more. They are the ambitious people. And I only work with ambitious people. I can because only ambitious people will be attracted totally. to me as well. People aren't hungry. So that's not something that I can necessarily teach, but it's a very important underlying factor because without that, you can give someone the world, they won't do anything with it. Yeah. Like if they don't have it in themselves, then even if you give them the plate, they wouldn't eat the food. They would just stay there. And that's yeah. very true. Uh, and one, okay, I'll like slightly change the topic a bit, but again, it's we were like really curious to know this, that you you have your own book. It's a bestseller. And the, we know that the fact that it took seven years in the making. So throughout the seven years, have you ever had a moment of um, a setback or a, like a self-doubt crept in where you were like, okay, like, is this going the right way? And all of those thoughts keep coming in. So how did you deal with all of that? Always. I mean, we're human. We're not yeah. immune to it. And every time that you leave your comfort zone, that is the first thought that actually comes up but we don't believe in it. We don't choose to believe in it. We choose faith yeah. over doubt because faith and doubt cannot actually coexist. If I believe in faith, I'm going to move forward. But if I believe in doubt, I'll never move forward. So exactly. what's so it, that's an easy decision. And I say easy to some extent in that it takes a lot of courage at first. It takes a lot of belief and takes a lot of trust in the process. But of course I have those, you know, those thoughts. I mean, I've, I'm about to put my second book into publishing. I haven't announced what it is yet. Yeah. And when I finish the manuscript, I'm like, oh, you know, is it? Or is, is, I, is this going to be any good? Is it, you know, what about if people think A, B, C, different? Like, hang on, who's talking here? Yeah. I'm good. So I will proceed anyway. That's yeah. the difference. So, yes, I have those thoughts, but that's why journaling works. My mentor, Ron Malhotra, when I have those moments... I need to lean into my mentor. He knows how to get me out of those moments in like 20 minutes. That's yeah. all it takes. He's amazing. And Ron Malhotra, he's very big yeah. in India as well. I go back to journaling and I know that I have the whole universe behind me. How can I fail? True. How can I actually fail when the whole universe is conspiring for me to win? And sometimes I think I'm asking the universe something so small. So it takes time to really build that muscle, that belief system. It really yeah. does. It doesn't happen overnight. And the trials and tribulations and the setbacks are all part of the process. Yeah. But if I'm not experiencing those, then I'm in my comfort zone. If I'm in my comfort zone, I'm going to get overtaken. I'm not doing enough. I'm not edging anywhere near my potential. True. So that conversation is always evident, but I have more trust in my vision and the universe and where I want to go than any setback. And you also need to think these doubts, they're a construct of our own mind. Yeah. I mean, who told us that? No one. No one comes up to me and says, Eleanor, you can't do this. <laughs> I yeah. say that. Yeah. So we have to be very conscious of where these thoughts are coming from and knowing that they're not real. Yeah, true. Like whenever, like even I guess when we were starting the podcast, the imposter syndrome just comes to you. Just like, oh, are we good enough to do this? Why will anyone hear our podcast? And all those questions could be even. And then that one muscle in your body is just like, just just go ahead with it and see what happens. We'll figure it out through when it happens. And then you do 
to things. But yeah, I guess everyone at some point of their life when they were about to achieve success have gone through that period of wait. Uh, I don't want to. I, I don't know if I can do this or something. But yeah. And another question is that I was just about to come. I'm glad you said that because this. Uh, process of getting yourself out of that hole and get digging us it doesn't happen overnight and so how what uh, i guess the answer would be journaling but i don't want to speak for yourself so what what got you out of that hole of self doubt everything journaling is a tool right mm-hmm. so some people meditate some people you know there's many ways there's many tools but what had to happen when i started my mentoring journey The first thing that had to happen was I had to let go of my old belief system, of my old paradigms, of my old way of seeing the world. That all had to come crashing down. Now, I'm lucky that before I started working with Ron, I was already doing a little bit of that. So it wasn't all it didn't come crashing down at once. It's very disruptive when it does. I already started moving in that direction, but it still took around 2 or 3 months for me to have a complete reframe. as to how i see the world how i see myself how i see my career everything everything was disrupted and it had to because if someone is still holding on to everything that they know where is the space for the new thoughts to come in True. right so first you know we spent a lot of time for me to understand the working of the mind of the subconscious mind of a superconscious mind of understanding that we are energetic and spiritual beings yeah. before we are physical beings I had to really not just understand that on an intellectual level but on an embodiment level. Yeah. And actually totally embody that and have that confidence. And once you do, that's what gives you a lot of confidence. You know, in yeah. even at times when, you know, I feel the fear or I feel the doubt, I feel the nervousness, it's like, hang on. The universe has put me on this earth in a human experience for a reason. Yeah. This isn't a chance occurrence. Right? We're not shooting stars. Exactly. So a lot of that deep inner work that's what it is it's deep inner work but people don't want to do it because it's actually quite boring it's yeah. not sexy it it really isn't there's nothing fun about it but yeah what is fun like if you always want to be having fun what kind of life is that as well sure. so that was the first thing that really allowed me to be conscious of my thoughts and to start working that i can be the master of my mind not the slave of my mind yeah right in other words i want my mind to be my slave i'm its master not yeah. the other way around yeah and this is the most influential factor that contributes to someone's success but again who's talking about this the education system doesn't someone has to actually seek this out for themselves yeah right and True. this is where the world of self development personal development kicks in and it's going to be one of the largest you know it's a, i think it will certainly be a trillion dollar industry at some point yeah. in time it has to be yeah there's how people learn what people learn all of that's changed completely yeah so mindset is a big topic as well but it's about your world view your paradigms how you think because your paradigms and your thoughts inform your feelings your feelings yeah. inform your actions your actions inform your results this is the framework cool. from the book t harvecker's secrets of a millionaire mind didn't come yeah. up with this <laughs> yeah. but once you actually understand this okay i'm feeling this why am i feeling this what my thoughts are informing it why am i thinking what i'm thinking okay there's obviously a flaw in my programming if i'm thinking this way okay i've got to go back and upgrade this yeah 
yeah true so we all look up to people and uh, who also like give us the motivation or anything apart from your own vision and your own goals and dreams and your own mindset of like okay i will do this and everything but uh, once once a while there there come people where who just motivate you for things so apart from your mentor because that has to be the obvious uh, first choice uh, who are some people who have really changed your life or motivated you in a way yeah well of course you know ron malhotra i will be grateful for him until the end of time because it is <laughs> so so rare to find yeah. your people and yeah. ron is my person and his business partner like they're my people and i'm so grateful that i get to do life and i get to know them yeah. it's you know there isn't a journal post a gratitude post where i don't give thanks to that so of course that's the obvious my parents have always been you know my backbone as well and because of everything that they have done they've given me so much opportunity and so much unique ability and that inspires me you know a lot of what i do is is also for them i want to make them proud i love making yeah. them proud and i'm an only child and we live in australia all our family is back in israel so we don't have any other family here i haven't grown up with the concept of family i only really learned that 2 years ago mm. my family is my parents so it's not to say they're my inspiration or my motivation but they're a huge reason why like i i owe I owe so much of to them. They've sacrificed everything that they could possibly sacrifice. Yeah. So we can have the home that we have as a collective. That's on a personal level, but in terms of broader inspiration, the first I guess mentor was Richard Branson in a way because when I started realizing that hang on, I don't have to do this for the rest of my life. and i didn't even know but richard branson was the first entrepreneur that i came across meaning i didn't even know what that word was or what that meant until i came across branson and i i didn't even know how but i i only know that he was the first one that i that he opened up the world of entrepreneurship to me and i read his book losing my virginity and then finding my virginity and i realized from his story that he is he has come from nothing spectacular He's dyslexic, got kicked out of high school. Yeah. No, you know, family with like no money, but he is the only person in the world to build eight different companies in eight different industries with over a billion dollar valuation. He yeah. came from nothing. Yeah. And that really made me think I'm like, hang on. It was a total headspin. So, you know, in a way Branson was a mentor for a very long time because of his lessons. And then because of Branson, I started delving into others you look at the napoleon hills vision like yanis book and it just keeps on it keeps on going and it keeps on going so in a way this the collective success of people who have achieved great things in their life they serve as inspiration and that's why you can look back as far as you want to in history to see that what you want to achieve it is so possible it is more than possible people have done it you know there's a fantastic book called can't hurt me by david goggins i read it in amazing it's he's superhuman he's brilliant you know what he's achieved and something you know, i have that book at the forefront of my shelf because sometimes when i feel you know or, you know this is too hard i always look back and i think this guy ran through the desert with <laughs> all sorts it's it's, it's endless Yeah. yeah, he's a superhuman. Like I cannot. Yeah, 
Yeah. But just as an example, so there's many people who have always overcome their struggles, meaning they've always been bigger than their problems. And that's why, you know, I love reading these stories of especially entrepreneurs and people who have made a very huge impact, a positive one on society and on history of the world because it serves as your inspiration. It continuously yeah. serves to foster that belief system of, I can do this. Yeah. So, so will it be fair to say that Richard's book gave you the idea or the drive for uh, coming with your own firm and coming with your own company, or like no, being well, an entrepreneur? Well, I actually read, discovered that maybe in 2015 and I only came, <laughs> you know, only started my business in 2019. But how the construction coach came about was I started having fragments of the vision. And after I graduated, I started tutoring because I'm like, I need more. And I realized that, hang on, I can influence my income, meaning I can yeah. go produce income yeah. if I wanted. I have a service, the market will pay me. And I was doing really well. But then yeah. what happened was the platforms in which I was being listed on, they cut off my listing, meaning I was on page one and then I was on page who knows what. So that was yeah. one factor. But at the same time, in the mentoring, in the tutoring conversations with me, you know, we would do whatever we needed to, but the questions with me always came around to Eleanor, how do I have a career in construction? I don't know how, tell me how. And I found that, hang on, if I have this problem, if I had this problem and other people have this problem that I'm mentoring, that I'm tutoring, there must be more. Yeah. So then I, I asked my subconscious mind a better question, how can I reach more people at the same yeah. time that how can I get more clients? Because the platforms cut me off. Yeah. So that was February 2019. And then in April 2019, yeah, April 2019, I had some time off from work. We had a 10-day industry shutdown. So I really got to, you know, clear my mind, have stillness. And it was 11 o'clock at night. One night, it was a Wednesday in April. And I just got the idea, the construction coach. I'm like, the construction coach? And I looked it up and the ABN was free and the website, the domain name was free. So I bought it straight away. I was up to 5 a.m. that morning, just filling my notebook with ideas and whatnot. And it started off as just a blog. But I'm glad that it just started off as just a blog. And I had this imperfect action because what that allowed me to do was, hang on, I have a website and I have a blog. I need to reach people. Oh, LinkedIn. And I already had like 3,000 connections on LinkedIn. Like I already had positive you know, associations with LinkedIn. So yeah. what happened, the, you know, I got a message from a LinkedIn coach. Hey, I'm doing this event at the Docklands, $30 after hours. Fantastic. I bought a ticket straight away. And be, at that event, I met Ron. And because I went oh. Ron, he opened up a whole new world to me. Well, exactly. You know, so it was always meant to be. But yeah. the case for the business and wanting to, you know, serve others was, okay, I have a vision, I need to achieve that. A career, a corporate career, isn't the right vehicle that's going to get me this. What is the vehicle that will get me this? I need my own, I need my own platform, I need my own business, I need my own, my own voice. Yeah. And, you know, going back to looking at past journals, I actually found an, a notebook. And it was from October 2018. And I actually had one page where I wrote down the construction coach in it, but I, but nothing wow. happened. It, it, I, I didn't, 
I didn't do anything with it. Like I already had that thought, but it just stayed there in a notebook. And I didn't even remember that I wrote that down until I perchance found that notebook. And I'm like, yeah. wow, you know, the universe was telling me like, come on. Yeah, that's this. amazing. Well, wow. oh, that's just beautiful. So yeah, so thank you. First of all, uh, we covered so many topics from vision to journaling to entrepreneurship and everything. So first of all, thank you for coming. And one uh, side note question is like, uh, so first of all, okay, so for the listeners, uh, we have uh, heard her podcast, Constructing You. It is amazing. And it is a, a brilliant way to reach more people just by, uh, it's a very good platform to reach more people and the content is amazing and uh, i i believe you have raised like 50000 downloads and we hope you reach 100 and 200 and more thank you uh, so we urge all our listeners to please check it out because it has helped us a lot and all the, like okay like we it's, it's the main reason which we heard it because it's not about construction as the profession it is about constructing you it is about the end user and not the profession so that is like very helpful and one just uh it's not an official question it's a pseudo question is that as a podcast host yourself how do you think i'm doing <laughs> you're doing great yeah. it's all about the conversation and active listening yeah. and i can tell that you've done your due diligence so i've had a wonderful experience on this podcast thank you Thank you. Thank you. So before we end the episode, and it has been an amazing episode. So we asked two questions to all our guests. And the first question is, is a bit of a deep question. So it is like, what is the best mistake you've ever made? Losing myself, losing my sense of self. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's beautiful. It ended up very well. So that's amazing. And secondly, you've uh, listed many books already for us. And uh, you are an avid reader. So what are some books or movies also, anything, or a podcast which you've heard that really changed your perspective or changed your life? My mentor's book, Ron Malhotra, he wrote the book Impossible to Fail. Yeah. And as the name suggests, it is impossible to fail. So I would highly recommend that. A big book that also, a big book, an impactful book that changed my thinking early on in the day before I did anything formal. It's The Code to the Extraordinary Mind by Vishen Lakhiani, the founder of Mind Valley. A really disruptive book for me at the time. And I remember the start of the book saying, this book will disrupt your thinking. And I'm like, nah, it, it can't. And I remember reading something and I would be awake for like a week because it just disrupted me out of my slumber. So that was a really impactful book and of course i would recommend my own constructing yeah. your career <laughs> exactly so yeah we we list out all these recommendations in our instagram page and also uh, so for contacting elena you can uh, check out her website and uh, instagram and everything will link uh, we'll give the link in our instagram and we'll give the link in the description for this episode so be sure to check it out connect with her on linkedin um, it's elena Moshe. Here we come to the end of the episode. Eleanor, thank you for being here. Thank you for the words of wisdom for our, all our listeners. We have co covered many topics and it's really helpful for the students itself. And it also gives us a perspective for thinking for our own future. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to add value to, to your audience. It's been wonderful. Yeah.